0: Welcome to D5 by Design, where we talk all things blockchain and cryptocurrency, while striving to educate, empower, and enrich.
1: Welcome back to the D5 by Design podcast, brought to you by the Rollup, a media and education company that provides high quality actionable insights and information on all things layer 2s, roll-ups, DeFi, scaling solutions, new protocols, juicy alpha, and insightful research. We're excited to share with you the latest trends and development in DeFi space so you can stay informed and ahead of the curve. Without further ado, we will jump right into this episode with a brief update on some of our current sponsors. Buffer Finance is a non-custodial exotic options trading platform built to trade short-term price volatility and hedge risk of high leverage positions. They are a leader in the arbitrum charge taking over on layer twos and totally understand the potential of blockchain technology and how it's transforming the finance industry. They are proud to support DeFi by design. If you're looking for a platform to trade short-term options, look no further than Buffer Finance. With their innovative tech, easy to use platform, they're at the forefront of the options tech in Arbitrum. Visit their website, buffer.finance and take a look and all their options. ZKX is a leader in the decentralized derivative DEX market on StarkNet. StarkNet is a cutting-edge technology built to help scale Ethereum using ZK rollups. They understand the potential of scaling blockchain tech and how it's going to change the world of leverage trading. ZKX protocol is happy to be on testnet and will be on mainnet very shortly. Check out ZKX Protocol on Twitter, as well as on Crew 3 to get more information about what's going on on Startnet. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to DeFi by Design podcast, episode 102, celebrating GM 100, uh, two podcasts ago. Uh, last podcast, we had Brian Pellegrino from Layer Zero Labs, had a really interesting conversation about agnostic uh, DeFi protocol design, uh, trustless and permissionless protocols, um, kind of how how layer zero is trying to take over the the digital world. Today we're shifting gears a bit, talking to the team from Gearbox, uh, more of an OG type of DeFi protocol. Really one of those teams that you know is just going to keep building um, and is going to keep delivering solid products, and will reap the rewards in the in the um, kind of DeFi cycle of ETH yields um, and and more uh, speculation. So very excited t- today to dive into a variety of topics from leverage yield farming, uh, ECC. Um, curve, uh, some of the recent drama going on, as well as other topics. So, Rob, good morning, bro.
2: GM, brothers and sisters, love to have everyone here listening. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, like Andy said, this is episode 102. I'm super hyped because we're just going to keep it rolling. You know, um, we had a hundred great episodes, and I feel like we're just steadily on the rise in terms of guests, quality, conversations, thoughts, ideas industry, prices, everything's up, vibes up. So uh, super stoked to have Amplus and peer on with us today. Uh, the uh, contributors, core contributors, we're gonna hear what they uh, what they do contribute to Gearbox, uh, what Gearbox is. We're gonna dive into uh, some of the Curve, some of the R-Cam uh, things as well. So stay tuned, grab a, a coffee or a beer or something and kick back, relax. And uh, we'll kick it over to Amplus to uh, introduce himself um and introduce gearbox amplis how are you feeling today
3: i'm good how are you i'm amplus i'm uh chief propagandist at gearbox basically uh memes and videos and all that good stuff uh gearbox is a composable leverage protocol um i will leave it to elgus to describe what it is exactly we do but basically the the core idea is whatever you want to do in DeFi, our goal is to be able to like lever it up for you like we we eventually want to be the leverage layer for all of DeFi that's, at least all of DeFi that's safe. Um, right now we're kind of primarily le- like helping people leverage on yield farming strategies but trading is coming soon too and V3 at the end of the year. Um, yeah, good Good to talk to you guys today. Hey,
0: cool. My name is My name is Zyrgios. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm responsible for uh, product and mass site and gearbox. Uh, yeah. In terms of protocol, uh, like yeah, we're building composable leverage, uh, since I guess 2021, uh, yep. Nice. Cool.
1: To meet you, nice. So were you guys on the team, um, in the earliest days or in the earliest months, kind of, when did you guys join?
0: Uh, Yeah, protocol started uh, as one of the winners at S-Global Hackathon in early 2021. Uh, Mikael uh, was original founder and inventor of Gearbox later, a little bit like right after uh, S-Global Hackathon, I and Ivan GBI joined the team. Uh, So we start pushing uh, the protocol together, uh, just three of us uh in late 2021 uh, in december uh, we launched first version uh yeah and after that i guess uh and some other Google guys joined the team and we are start working together uh, on protocol yeah
1: nice cool cool yeah uh, i was just curious as to kind of how it started um you know because i think alpha Hamora might have been the first iteration of leverage yield farming um, you know, back back in like DeFi summer, I and mean, maybe you you guys were kind of right around there as as well. Um, I'm kind of curious that. why you guys why you guys think leverage yield farming is um is important. What's the, what's the main use case?
3: So it's not just yield farming that we want to do. Um, our goal. So our the way that um, the geniuses behind Gearbox, Ilgiz, and Mikhail. And I guess Ivan's not really a genius. He's kind of a moron. But Ilgis and Mikael are definitely like giga brains. Um, and and the way that they approached the problem of leverage in DeFi was is slightly different than the way that kind of Alpha Homora did, right? So Alpha Homora, essentially you can think of each of their leverage strategies as a separate vault almost in the same way that like you have a urine vault and then you have a specific Alpha Homora strategy dedicated to a specific urine vault. And so Alpha Homora also has many, many strategies, but those pools are all like separated, right? Um, our goal at Gearbox is basically uh, to act as a layer. or You can think of it almost as like a leveraged smart wallet, although I've been told sometimes to not, not call it that. But it's like the easiest way to explain it. Like you put your money into what we call a credit account like a gearbox credit, credit account, which is kind of like a new DeFi primitive or it's not new anymore, but um, a DeFi primitive. And then from within that credit account, you can farm, you can trade, you can do multiple different strategies. It's not like you're not depositing it into just one vault. You can do multiple different things from that credit account. And when you close that credit account, whether you made money or lost money, like you can just um, get like whatever gains you made, you can take out of there. Right. So, the difference between Alpha AlphaMoore and Gearbox is essentially like, if I want to put my money into a credit account, and so for example, um, you could you could take take a position where it's like you want a long ETH and then also stake it, right? So you put up like USDC collateral, um, then you buy ETH in your credit account on leverage. So you put up USDC collateral, you borrow USDC, use that USDC to buy ETH, USDC to buy ETH, and then also stake that eth that's something that like you can't do in alpha homora they would have to spe- create a specific strategy for you-, you to be able to do that but because of the way Mikkel and ilgas and the other guys um designed the credit account it's like it's actually generalized so the more strategies we add uh the more strategies we integrate like the more it like the possibilities of what you can do within your credit c- credit account multiply exponentially right so for example, in the future, um, if we're to say like there was something cool that you could do with your staked ETH and it was like relatively safe within DeFi, maybe we'd integrate that. And then not only can you like long ETH and then stake it, maybe you can take that staked ETH and like, for example, put it in eigenlayer or something like that. Right. And once we have that eigenlayer integration, then you can do that. Uh, you don't have to kind of reinvent the wheel every time, release a new strategy, and it's not like vault by vault. It's like really generalized that's really the the goal of gearbox
1: yeah interesting yeah.
0: yeah actually like original idea was like leveraging uniswap so we are i'd say in the first days uh more focused on trading uh on top of uniswap and we thought like okay it would be cool uh if you can trade on uniswap with some leverage yeah because like uniswap in uh, early 2021 is uh like has very good traction in that days and a lot of different interesting tokens you can find there to trade on. So it's cool to have leverage on it. So yeah, after that, we like find the idea how it works with this great account uh, smart wallet design and later discussing with other contributors with other uh, smart peoples in community. We decide that, okay, it could be actually generalized way to have leverage for any DeFi protocol. And yeah, as ampli said, uh, now we look uh, at Gearbox like yeah, it looks like leverage layer for DeFi space actually. And later it could be integrated to any use case that we can like uh, see around our space.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of our um, one of our current uh, partners is is Raft, and they're doing um, effectively leveraged yield farming for. Uh, staked ETH by being able to borrow R, which is a stablecoin against, against uh, staked ETH. Similarly, uh, other kind of um, LSD5 protocols, if you will, have kind of gone on a similar path, trying to launch on basically a um, yield-bearing uh, staked ETH collateral-based stablecoin. I'm curious if you guys are uh, currently engaging uh, in uh, some kind of that, let's say the LSD fight wars that our community can uh, participate in in Gearbox uh, or if you have plans to, as well as your current mental model regarding the uh, state of kind of a uh, staked ETH and how different protocols are trying to attempt different types of uh, strategies to attract liquidity uh, based on, you know, re- rehypothecation, extra yield, uh, collateral backs, stable coins, etc. So kind of three parts there. What you guys are doing now, if if, if any, what's in the books and overall your mental model.
0: Uh, I'd say we are agnostic in terms of different defi so uh, actually for us as a protocol, there is no big uh, difference between all of them. So it depends on the user, I guess, to choose what kind of LSDFIs uh, they prefer, uh, where to put money and so on. Uh, in my point of view, like it's uh, interesting use cases could be arising later in Gearbox uh, because like for now, I guess uh, different protocols provide leveraging of LSD uh, while actually after launch of like Urban layer and some other stuff that provide different um, staking opportunities on top of LSD5, that could be very interesting because like for uh, risk seekers, they could, uh, actually, borrow some LSD tokens and provide a more risky farm in more risky staking, uh, but actually, as a result, get some additional yield for using such kind of leverage. While wow. for original users who just want to hold LSD uh, FI tokens, it could be a good opportunity because got, they could uh, deposit as liquidity providers, get some passive yield, do nothing, no additional risk uh, for using it in different. Uh, staking services, uh, like, uh, which, which actually were provided by EganLayer, but actually additional yield that they get as a result of this, yeah. So could be very interesting, I guess, such kind of use cases.
2: Yeah, restaking is uh, is particularly interesting, uh, especially once you can restake into other validators and then use ETH that is securing ETH, because it's in an ETH validator, and restake it into another network and help secure that network as well. I'm, I'm curious, like, uh, like, gear, like uh, gearbox application to LSD5 is one particularly, uh, one particular use case. I'm curious in general how gearbox manages its leverage layer. Like, I, I think, you know, what we've seen in leverage is over collateralization, where you have some collateral and you can borrow against it up to that collateral value. Is Gearbox similar in the sense that everyone has to be over collateralized, or is Gearbox yeah, a little sh- bit different in the credit accounts?
0: Yeah, of course, Gearbox as protocol overall over collateralized. Uh, so, as uh, Amplest earlier said about smart contact wallet, it actually designed like you put some collateral, borrow X5, even X10 uh, funds on it, and then you can put this money to different protocols uh, to different OPs farms, whatever. Uh, but as a result, all of this uh, liquidity LP, LP tokens actually lay down in this in the same smart contract wallet. So it's like it can be used as collateral for your debt. So overall system over collateralized. while you have up to extend more capital uh, to farm or trade. Uh, so in terms of protocol, it's like... Uh, uh, safe model i'd say because like uh, as you can see from last c5 close here uh, under collateralized lending is something very very risky and sometimes you can't even predict uh, where black swan uh so in terms of gearbox everything is transparent you can check uh, your smart contact wallet uh protocol can check positions of every depth and see that everything is secured uh, in terms of how to be sure that protocol uh parameters for understanding this of range culture parameters uh, are safe of course it's like i'd say task mass task and to build a lot of different infrastructure here to uh to help solve this stack to check uh, in real, real, real time that everything works as, uh, as planned, that there is no any kind of uh, bad events uh, that liquidity in the market, like not drown yet. So it's like a lot of backend infrastructure that launched by different community members uh, and check that everything works as planned.
2: And when, when you guys make an integration I think it's really innovative what you guys have done to to allow people to like times five or times ten the collateral that they have because you almost build in like the folding strategy because when you go and you deposit you, you borrow you get some debt and then you deposit that debt into another protocol it it becomes potential collateral and you guys almost build that into the smart smart contract credit account because you take the debt and then you almost fold it directly back into the collateral which allows you to continue borrowing, and even more, you can even borrow more than the original collateral that you deposit. So I, I think it's it's quite innovative what you guys have done to allow protocols to borrow up to times five or times ten, um, and build in some of those uh, some of those leverage strategies. And I'm I'm curious, like where where are you guys planning on going from here? You know, you started with leverage yield farming, um, letting people kind of leverage up their their LP tokens and get more yield. And now you're you're a little bit more general. You're letting almost you know the, anyone any kind of smart contract that you have integrated um, interact with your leverage layer. So, like, what are you guys now looking for in terms of integrations? Is it LSDFi? Is it other money markets? Um, when you guys are, are kind of looking at the scope of of DeFi, who and what industries are most appealing to integrate?
3: So, I think um, what the devs have been working on for the past I don't know, six months or something um, is v3 and essentially what v3 is going to allow us to do so like previously with v2 um, essentially we integrated a bunch of like the big uh, yield farming strategies or, or, the, or rather the places where the big yield farming strategies exist right so urine, curve, convex lidos uh, stake teeth etc um, but like not a problem exactly but one kind of hurdle that we needed to overcome was how do we uh, allow people to um, put their money into like less well-known riskier strategies so that they can like juice their yields on a broader array of strategies and we could do more and more integrations without kind of introducing a level of risk to the whole system that like we deem unsafe right so the way that we've come up uh to do that is essentially like set a global kind of quota on specific strategies or specific assets such that like gearbox protocol as a whole does not have more than like x amount of exposure to this asset and the reason why we need to do that is because when you think about liquidations um like there's like different assets have different amounts of liquidity, right? So if you're talking about adding a new asset, we need we need a quota such that even if we liquidate all of that asset that exists in Gearbox protocol, the price is not going to drop so much that we end up with bad debt. Does that make sense? So these quotas are really going to make a huge difference in terms of just the number of integrations that we can add. Because like previously, we could only add big things because there wasn't this like high level overall protocol uh, risk quota for each of the assets. So we could only add really, really big things where the liquidity is like, there's loads and loads of it. So we don't have to worry. But now with V3, um, which the devs are working on, which I think like we're going to say like November, December, probably. Um, August will correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, we're going to have be able to introduce quotas. And The cool thing about quotas is we've kind of we're introducing some novel tokenomics that are built into how these quotas are allocated as well. Um, So basically, like the goal is how like we're gonna get to a point where we can start adding not just the really well-known strategies, but also like kind of like we talk about blue chip, right? I would say everything in Gearbox right now is blue chip. Even these like less than blue chip kind of mid-tier strategies. Um, We can add all of them. We can integrate stuff safely, which is the most important thing um, with the V3 upgrade. And then once that happens, then I think we're going to start banging out integrations and just try to like integrate everything that we think is reasonably safe, which I'm really looking forward to. Because again, like once you have loads of integrations, the things you can do are like, the the possibilities of what you can do increase exponentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... A couple points that ring to mind um, that I'd love to hear more about um, as far as integrations and expansions go. Because um, I'm, I mean, I'm totally on the same page with you. First, with regards to kind of making sure that should you add a, a collateral type or an asset, there, the, there needs to be enough secondary market liquidity to not get burned as a user, but also as as a protocol. Um, and so, you know, right now, for example, like that that kind of CRV Aave bad debt drama is just like the biggest example that we currently have about kind of uh, risking. Um, different types of LTV values with a, a potential collateral type that may not have the deepest liquidity. So certainly on, on the same page there, and I feel like you guys have the brains and the knowledge and the experience in DeFi to kind of be able to, to run that kind of math and understand uh, you know, kind of the risk parameters for each type um, as well as kind of have the DAO as a backup uh, checks and balances to make sure that, let's just say there isn't too much Dgen activity happening, but I am a fan of gen activity, don't get me wrong. Um, But more so to to where I want to take this on the integration and expansion side, Um, you guys recently just integrated Curve V2 pools. I saw about four or five different LP pairs. Um, Those are super blue chip, uh, from my perspective, Curve and the tokens. Um, So I'd love to to just hear about the high APYs there, how um, and kind of why everything that happens on the integration side still goes through the DAO. Um, if, if there's any kind of light that you want to share on 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 the DAO's in, in, in involvement in this specific in, integration. We'd love to hear that. And then um, uh, I've got one more question about extending to L2s, but we'll come back to that. So yeah, yeah we'd love to hear more about this recent in, in, integration.
0: Uh, yeah, actually, uh, a little bit network uh, yeah, I guess.
1: I, yeah,
0: I, I, th- I think Curvy 2 Pulse is like uh something very interesting yeah so it's has very uh very very good kill so actually for users it could be something that uh they are looking for uh leverage uh, here because like what 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 we uh heard from our users uh like yeah, they want to get more risk on themselves uh be a mod again uh, have more yield as a result. So I guess curvy, curvy too, and plate I guess uh, will be ready to deploy uh, right after it, uh, some balancer uh, pools and our integration also could be a very interesting opportunity for uh, active digans to find very juicy yields. Uh, yeah, of course, uh, getting some risk on themselves, but I guess that's uh, a lot of digans in the market is ready uh, to get on themselves.
2: Uh, and you went on mute there, but I'll kind of take it, take it from there. I think, uh, I think there's, there was a question about L2s and like, you know, is that part of your expansion strategy? Um, how, how do you approach, uh, some, some network integrations?
3: 100% L2s Ah. are on our mind, let's say. Um, so this again is something that, uh, is going to be made possible with V3 um again because of the risk quarter so what you're seeing in l2s is is like uh very like there's a lot of opportunities there but liquidity is not as deep as mainnet right so like how do we how do we kind of launch gearbox on an l2 um where liquidity is not as deep but let's say like there's access to higher yields or uh like more interesting things you can do um and like the the solution is similar to like, how do we integrate kind of non blue chip, but like mid tier protocols on mainnet. It's, we need to introduce these risk quotas, And once we do that, um, then L2 expansion becomes very possible. So we're not like super focused on it at the moment. Um, But I think once we get closer to V3, it's definitely something that we will start kind of discussing internally um, and putting into the DAO to see like what the DAO thinks of like, should we do Arbitrum? Should we do Optimism? Should we do you know zkVM? Start, I mean, all, all all the different L2s like, uh, and like probably by then Scroll and everything else will be out. So um, it's exciting times ahead. Uh, could we just deploy to all of them? Possibly. Um, we'll see. Dude, uh, so good. Yeah, yeah. We'll see Dude, who your, who your comment who gives the so most good. interesting incentives. You know.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Dude, your you, your comment on the space was so good, man. Trying to get. Uh, ZKX from Starknet and ZKM guys going head to head. They were like, "No, we 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 won't do this." And then like Hamza from ZKVM was like, "Nah, dude, I'll definitely do this. Like, ZKVM is better." And it's just like, "Dude, come on." I think Arbitrum is the best spot for you guys to go first, though. Um, just as a general like, I guess ad- advice. Um, I think that is where you'll have the highest amount of defi yield farm users or let's just say yield farm for lack of a better term defi power users at least in my experience that's where i've been taking a quick commercial break here to tell you guys about our lovely sponsors right before we get back to this fascinating discussion we have a message from our current sponsors here we go i want to take a moment to introduce you to our sponsor premier finance Premium is a native options protocol that offers market driven pricing and capital efficient returns for traders and liquidity providers. With Premium, you can trade options on a variety of different crypto assets. What, what sets Premium apart is its unique pricing mechanism, which is based on the market's expectation of future volatility. This means that options prices are always in line with market conditions, which provides traders with the most fair and transparent pricing. Recently, Premium has just launched their options academy, where you can learn for free how to become a proficient options traders. Uh, Feel free to check it out at premium.finance, hedge your risks, or amplify your positions um, to earn more capital efficient returns on premium finance. Thank you. And another exciting sponsor to introduce you is Plan of Finance. I've recently uh, been onboarded as an advisor for Plan of Finance, which is one of the first self-custodial wallets to support account abstraction. With Plana Finance, you can revolutionize your crypto experience and take control of your assets like never before. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing multiple wallets. Hello to a seamless user-friendly experience. Plana Finance allows you to easily manage your assets, swap tokens, and earn rewards all in one place on your mobile phone. They have an app in the Apple App Store as well as in the Google Play Store. Uh, With Plana Finance's self-custodial wallet, you hold the keys to your assets, ensuring the highest level of security and privacy with tons of cool features like gasless trading, um, interesting yield competitions, and cool NFTs. There's an amazing amount of effort going into building this app that already has tens of thousands of users. So what are you waiting for? Download Plan Finance today and experience the future of crypto wallets.
3: Yeah, that's where um, GMX is, right? Yeah. Yes. So on the trading side, um, probably there's not... Much to in- integrate there, but on the GLP side, I think that would be an interesting like leverage GLP returns would yep. be an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, I think Arbitrum is definitely interesting. I think there's yeah. some cool stuff on Optimism. Yeah,
0: I guess Jimmy, Jimmy's V2 actually could be very interesting. uh Just curious uh, when they launch uh, to to check it. Actually, to go
1: to side. Let GMACV me tell you, like, is like worse than the Ethereum Foundation. All the stuff that I say. Soon.
3: All the stuff that I say is like bullshit, but whatever Elgis says, that's alpha. So listeners, like, take that into account. When, when yeah.
2: Amplus says it, it's propaganda. When Elgis says correct. it, it's Yeah, it's, it's actually alpha. happening. If
3: Elgis says it, it's actually, like, like, actually going to happen, you know?
2: So so Elgis, like, let's say you look at GMX v2. You love it, right? Like, what's the process for getting that? A- Does the entire DAO have to kind of go through that process or like what... What is the process once you establish like this looks like a cool integration? What, what's the process from there?
0: Yeah, actually there is like some uh, tech uh, tech work should be done. Yeah, so uh, first of all, of course, we need some uh, adapters to this new protocol. Uh, but for example, if there is, uh, I just don't, don't check it yet. If for example, Gmix pools will be in using your C46, 26 standards. So actually, maybe there is no need any kind of development on top top of it, we can use one of the our existing adapters. Uh, That's like first stuff that should be built. Uh, Second second stuff, how to uh, price correctly, uh, LP token uh, for this asset. And Mm -hmm. It could be solved in different uh, ways. Uh, we have some pre-built uh, ad- uh, oracles for different LP tokens that we use already in our system. Uh, it could be some semi-off-chain oracle si- uh, types, like for example, Reds- Redstone provider could be built on top of, and we can use it later. So there are different options we have. Uh, but yeah, prerequisite here like oracles and adapters. And after that, uh, we need uh, governance approval because uh, every, every step, every deployment uh, uh, should be approved by uh, gearbox governance. And later, current co- contracts will be integrated with some pre-deployed new ones. Uh, and after that, it's ready. Uh, and third, third step maybe also to check, uh, it's like some check uh, infrastructure layer like liquidations, some uh, backend services, some front-end application stuff that also should be checked. But I guess it's not the big deal.
2: Got it. Makes sense. So like first there's kind of like the risk quota, you know, to even be considered. Um, and then you have to make sure that the yep. technical specifications are there. You have to make sure that there's Oracle price feeds, um, that there's adapters, um, that the technology is somewhat compatible with uh, Gearbox's existing technology. And then if all of those boxes are checked, it goes to governance. And basically the community has uh, the last right to refuse or, or approve any integration. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I just want to
3: highlight, um, we also have uh, one stage of the process is uh, we involve RiskDAO. They're like these super smart like risk analysts, CHADS basically. Who yeah. do all this complicated math to make sure that like everything is as safe as possible? And uh, just shout out, shout out to those guys because if you read their like the stuff that they post on our forum and also like the internal chats that we have with them, they're like they're really on top of stuff, like Giga Brains. Um, yeah, and yeah, but, like we we take risk really seriously. Um, definitely want to like yeah, keep actually, our users as safe as possible.
0: Yeah, risk that team and some our. Of- Backend developers built a lot of cool infrastructure, uh, like we check real-time data from a lot of different sources, like current prices, current liquidity size, uh, on the access, on success, uh, all the parameters set and changes, all events that could happen in our protocol for now. Uh, We check any kind of different uh, fraudulent behavior on top of protocol. Uh, so a lot of like happens and tracks on real time data, and if, for example, we see some something malicious, some robots just could pause system and say, "Okay, uh, guys, you should have a look on this. Maybe something bad happens." So uh, all of this, of course, should be checked before uh, any new uh, launch of. Farming opportunity or trading token uh, that all of this data gathered and was correctly.
2: Yeah. Does the, sorry, and it I, I was on mute but I got one more follow up question on this integration uh, process. D- does the um, the Op Stack and kind of like these like almost like roll up in a box type of solutions does that make it much easier to to integrate the projects that end up deploying on top of those Op Stacks and. Arbitrum is now deploying their stack, um, you know, because those are now standardized. Does it make integrations of the the projects that deploy on those stacks much easier? Uh,
0: I'm not sure. Uh, I I, I, I will thought that OP Stack and uh, Arbitrum stack. It's like it's more focused on those who want to. Launch their own rollup on top of u- using actually this stack. Yeah, so I guess yeah. it's like a little bit different uh, layer of uh, web three infrastructure. We actually focused on uh, protocols who uh, deploy uh, uh, their protocols to this infrastructure. So I guess, for example, uh, base launch uh, their own rollup using what the stack, uh, and yeah, uh, we told them and it could be something interesting, for example, for Gearbox to deploy uh, our protocol there. But for us it's prerequisite uh, because we don't provide end product actually yet. We provide leverage layer for other protocols. So mm-hmm. in order to deploy our protocol, we should be sure that there is enough different protocols uh, and users wanted to get leverage on top of it. So for example, if base launch and there is no, no, there is no any kind of protocol at all, it doesn't make sense for us to deploy there. But if UNI comes there, East comes there a lot of different protocols deploy there. Okay, for us, this makes sense. Now go there and provide leverage for all of these protocols. That yeah. makes sense. I think yeah. I'm going to
2: connect then, you guys. You go ahead, what, what I, the only other thing I'll add is that if you know there is protocols that launch on base, another one that uses the OP stack is like Mantle, right? And there's not protocols there yet, but because they both use the OP stack, it it makes sense that they already have the adapters. They already have the oracles and the infrastructure that Gearbox needs in order to make a type of integration. Um, Yeah.
1: Dude, that's what makes like the OP stack. And um, like, like I just had a, I I just got pitched by a buddy about he's, he's, he's raising for an L2. Literally L2 new rollups are going to be the new L1s of this cycle. It's literally happening already. I mean, we are the rollup. Um, and, and he's building on the, on the OP stack and yeah, it has all that tech that's kind of ready, um, you know, to, to go. Um, and that's why I also, again, I think Arbitrum is the best place for you guys to port as well. Um, and then also I'm going to connect you guys with Maverick protocol if you're not already, because, um, they, they do like concentrated liquidity and directional liquidity and you guys could do some really sick leverage LP strategies in a concentrated and directional liquidity environment which would allow users to have like like basically a leveraged LP with low impermanent loss and potential crazy upside Um, so that would be super interesting I'm not sure if you guys are in touch but We'll do that after. Wanna shift gears here and talk about a really pressing issue in DeFi, which is uh, the the effect of, of liquidity mining on, on governance token prices. Um, pretty much every DeFi protocol since 2020 has had a really rough looking chart in addition to the rest of crypto, don't get me wrong here, um, but really uh, there was a lot of inflation and a lot of emissions that came out of uh, DeFi summer and 2021. And so now we're starting to realize like, okay, we have to figure out how to incentivize sticky liquidity without just giving away tokens for, for kind of like basically for like renting liquidity, kind of for nothing. So I've got a really interesting thread up here that you guys put together and I'd like to, to go through it. Uh, so confirm that you can see my window.
3: Yep. Yeah, I can see it.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. So um, how to eventually fade out liquidity mining emissions and organically grow the lending market for Gearbox. Um, so I guess I would love if you guys want to just kind of walk through our our audience um, through this and and kind of explain what you guys are trying to achieve here with fading out emissions and organically growing the market.
3: So I think for any uh, lending market, you you, you have two sides, right? You have the borrower side and the lending side, like to put it simply. And there needs to be kind of an attractive proposition for both of those parties and up till now, well, Just in DeFi in general, I think yield, like incentives, let's say token incentives, have been used as a way to um, grease or or like lube up the the smoothness of balancing out the demand for borrowing and lending, right? Because um, you know, whilst you're building new uh, protocol, especially a new DeFi protocol. And DeFi itself is like relatively new. It's only been a few years. Um, like you want to get as many users as possible and figure out like what it is that the users want, right? Um, and token incentives are a great way to do that. You can try a bunch of different things, see what people actually want to use and then slowly ramp down the token uh, incentives. So like from a Gearbox perspective, I think um, we found like good, Uh, user interest and kind of semi, like, like Ivan often says, like, we're like halfway to product market fit. Like we have on the leverage side, there's definitely demand, right? Like people want to use the the leverage side. They want to borrow like the credit accounts make sense. And like who, who doesn't want to like five X leverage stake teeth, for example, like why wouldn't you do that? Um, Especially now that withdrawals are enabled. Right. So that's kind of a no brainer. Um, The problem is like, okay, how do we have that and also make, the lending side attractive and like up till now what we've been doing is okay so we have token incentives on the lending side so that we have a good balance of borrowing and lending right because if you don't have enough lenders then the cost of borrow like spikes up and then borrowing becomes unattractive um so with like with the upcoming developments in gearbox which includes introducing new strategies um v3 and all that what we're trying to do is make Make it so that there are a bunch of new things that you can do in Gearbox, where uh, when you borrow, your yields are going to be even higher, which then justifies like then you as a borrower you can justify to yourself paying a higher rate for the borrow, which then means that lenders can receive more organically, and therefore we can like lower or remove the token incentives. Does that make sense? So like essentially TLDR. I think we have like good user interests and in are close to product market fit on the borrowing side. Like the thing makes sense. How do we also get that on the lending side? And the token incentives have been the gap to bridge that. Um, and as we try to figure out like how we can make the numbers work so that borrowing and, borrowing and lending are both attractive to different kinds of users, we can then remove the token incentives and it can all be organic.
1: Interesting. Okay. So it's all about equilibrium then basically trying to find like you guys have almost conducted experiments to try to figure out where that, where that kind of happy medium lies between, um, keeping lenders on the market to keep liquidity, um, there while giving them good enough rate, plus a little bit of token emissions kind of as shown here, but, but then also like making sure that the borrowers are not paying extra extravagant amounts as well, um, you know, because they really wouldn't want to borrow if they were paying that much and there was other competitors. So that's kind of like the problem that we're aiming to solve here. And that's what we're, so that's what we see in these, in these graphics. Um, but and this is kind of what we're seeing here, right?
3: Yeah, that's this exactly is, right. And like yeah. the one thing I will say is um, one of the kind of hurdles that we've had to overcome, right, is fucking Jerome... Jerome Powell (laughs) raised rates. Right. So, so your risk, like you see on that graph there, the risk-free rate that used to be like essentially negative or zero, right. Like functionally negative, but now the rates have gone up, right. You can park your U S dollars in in a bank account and get like two or 3%, right. So then like every, everything else has to, your yields have to go up for it to be attractive to quite kind of, kind of the safest user, right? So th- I think that's actually been a challenge for all of DeFi and maybe not under-discussed, but like, well, I think like your, your kind of average DGEN is not thinking about that, but like, I think sophisticated players that definitely like, like if you look at DJ Spartan, right? He's been talking about this. Um, yeah. Like, why would I put my money into USDC when I can just have it in USD in a bank account? Like, that's what we're coming up against. And that's fine because like, that's macro and like, if our, if DeFi is going to work, we have to, we can't just function in a zero interest rate environment, but when you're kind of like bootstrapping a protocol, um, it definitely like introduces hurdles. Like how do you, especially on the lending side, like the yields are lower on the lending side than the borrowing side. Right. Cause it's supposedly, uh, well it, it is, it's less risk. Um, but like, how do you make that an attractive yield to risk proposition compared to three or 4% in a USD bank account. My buddy tough. was just
1: texting me about that. He was asking me about stable coin yield today. And I was like, dude, why would you do that? Why not just do US treasuries at 5%? Yeah,
3: exactly. Especially yeah.
1: with a low time frame. Yeah.
3: So like, yeah, the How equilibrium much? in that graph has moved basically. Yeah. Um, and so we have to move with it.
1: And I think yeah. that we should get, uh, I mean, that's, that's important, but um, even more important I think, Rob, we can go, we got, we got to talk on the best problem of solving, uh, liquidity mining, kind of what that, what that kind of trilemma looks like. And, um, you guys are looking at it, but Rob, if you have something on that last topic, please.
2: I think it's, I think it's, um, in line with kind of like what, what you're getting at, which is like how we solve liquidity mining. Like there's the added risk of keeping funds on chain and that's going to move the line more than the risk-free rate right? So like there has to be some added reward, which we call liquidity mining in order to like keep funds on chain. So like, I guess how much, like amplus you say people don't really talk about it like in DeFi and I think you're right. So let, let's talk about it. You know, like what, how much do you think uh, additional yield is required in order to, and we're kind of looking at it, right? Like if you were to quantify kind of like what that liquidity mining span looks like, Um, like how much is that? What, what have you kind of learned from the experiments that you guys have conducted with adjusting lending rates on Yearbox?
3: So I think, um, there's like different ways to approach this question. Like I I can't pinpoint like a specific number of, okay. If you're kind of a relatively risk averse user and you, the things that you're choosing between are like U S treasuries, bank account or USDC on a safe protocol, right? like how much how much more yield does that person want i i can't answer that it depends on the specific person right that that's their own risk curve that and also it they have to judge how risky gearbox lending is right like we've been good so far but who knows it's defi anything can happen um so like each user is going to be different we just got to capture enough of those users um where the risk reward proposition is worth it but the other thing i will say is like there's a big variable here, which is in a bear market, token incentives to you, those that token is like number go down, right? Like maybe it's worth something when you get it, like when you see that number building up and, and you're like claiming the tokens, but you're probably dumping those tokens immediately because you're like, it's a bear market. This These tokens are just going to go keep going down. Um, whereas in, in a bull market, now we're talking something different because like, like, I'm not trying to pump the token or whatever, but if you're getting gear for lending, right, in a bull market, maybe you're thinking, okay, it's this price now. But yeah. if I hold this token, DeFi Summer 2.0, which
1: farm hold stake, baby. Farm hold stake.
3: Exactly. Like that that then then like the risk reward calculation changes, right? Because then you have upside. In bear market, there's no upside. Everybody's sad. You know, you're dumping tokens on everybody else. It's a race to the bottom. In a bull market. It's a, different, it's a different proposition altogether. So like if we're entering a bull market, I think um, that also changes the yeah. risk calculus that some of these more risk averse um, depositors are gonna kind of uh, like, like how they see the situation. So like, I can't yeah. answer you in terms of how much more yield. I think it's probably like a few percent, right? Like if you look at corporate bond yields versus kind of US treasury yields, it's like a reasonably good company. It's like three, 4%, something like that above, risk free rate um so i would imagine it's like not too dissimilar in DeFi, or at least as we um become kind of more serious people uh it, it will it will kind of converge to that but i think like the possibility of the upside on tokens once that comes back then then we're talking about a very different game
1: yeah, and you almost don't have to incentivize so many emissions as well, while surely you want to compete with other protocols to get the liquidity, uh, if, you, if you feel that the bull market is kind of on the horizon, less APY for a, a larger future APY if people hold is kind of a win-win for everybody. Um, so, so, so that's getting kind of an interesting mental model as well. Um, Also, there's this idea of options uh, liquidity mining where you're basically farming call options on a token. So again, during a a kind of bullish kind of uh, sentiment or or cycle, um, those also become very attractive from a protocol emissions level. I'm not sure if you guys have any thoughts on that or if you guys are looking to implement that with V3. Something that I would definitely look into
3: though. Uh, I think it's potentially, I mean, like I would be interested in talking about it theoretically. I don't think it's, like planned for v3 at the moment um i think the i think probably options token incentives are too expensive to do on mainnet i think you'd have to do it on an l2 right because you, every option essentially is a is the a contract, contract right yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's gonna be yeah and then yeah,
1: definitely
3: have yeah it's gonna be super expensive like just in terms of gas to claim them and stuff and and then to um to exercise them but yeah. it's an interesting idea and I haven't really seen anybody implement it super successfully yet. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, I think it's coming out
1: right, right about now. I'm really Good. curious to see
2: like the, the uh, L2 integrations that you guys have in store for V3. Like there's some really cool applications I can think of where like you, you might be farming on mainnet, but then you get your yield on L2s um, and, and some multi-chain deployments. Like that that might make options liquidity mining like more possible, and people wouldn't have to port their liquidity over from mainnet. Um, Ilgis, like, do you have any thoughts on, on like V3 and kind of where you see it going?
1: Uh, or anything. You mean in term? Or just yeah, anything, actually, any thoughts, yeah. Yeah, uh, just
0: one answer on previous questions about options, uh, just some thought. Uh, actually, I'm not, I'm not sure that Uh, something similar could work on bear market because like actually people in bear markets they put every risk against you yeah so for example if you are like protocol trying to uh, put some more complicated stuff and people just recalculate it in their minds and in more conservative and more negative way because like okay it's bear markets everything is dumping it's bad and you can actually screw that up using such kind of uh difficult tools uh and yeah and result will be nothing or even negative uh while in bull market that could work much better yeah because in bull market everybody like very optimistic uh, every token goes index. To exactly. so like they, they they can play in the in, in these games in their mind and think that okay this uh derivative could like make me reach later so it actually worked could could work for protocol very very positive way uh so yeah that's actually like yeah uh, what came to my mind when thinking about it yeah
1: i mean it works in a bowl because it's like call options so the users get i mean they have this incentive to not dump because they're constantly following these and they get they can get shorter term ones or longer term options and they're basically like well if i have this one that's shorter term this one that's longer term i can claim this but then I don't really want to dump my tokens because I want the price to stay up for the next set of options that I have that are going to expire soon. So it's an interesting concept. But I think we're going to kind of wrap up here. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. I feel like we didn't get to all the topics that I wanted to, some of the more DGEN ones. But I think we, we took a better route and kind of went uh, technical and uh, very kind of important DeFi um, narratives and kind of mental models. So, yeah, again, thank you, guys.
3: Thanks a lot for having us. Uh, Happy to come on anytime to talk anything, DJ, anytime you want.
2: Nice. Let's do it again soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks for coming
1: on.
3: Thanks. Cheers. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the DeFi by Design podcast. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors for their support. Please check them out in the links below, as well as on our website and in our newsletter. We'll be back with more exciting guests and insights. Until then, stay curious, stay informed, and keep designing the future of DeFi.